You're listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with David Palumbo Liu, author and professor at Stanford University. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I begin with a quote from James and Grace Lee Boggs from a book called Revolution and Evolution in the 20th Century. One of the first steps toward creating an enlarged concept of our humanity is to develop an enlarged concept of our relation as human beings to politics. And so the book really talks about how we might reimagine this relationship both to politics, but also to each other. And I continue, one way we have lost a sense of being together and of being potent political actors is through the delegation of two others of our responsibilities. We have given them our voice. And the people to whom we have given our voice are some of the most irresponsible on earth. By the same token, we've become used to thinking we have no right to have an opinion that does not register on the very limited menu of possibilities that has been set before us. We have also lost a sense that we have a right to determine the nature of our relationship to place on multiple scales from our homes and neighborhoods to our towns and cities, to our countries, to the international sphere, and to the planet. Somehow we have accepted that we depend not on each other, but on the very few people who rule us. We need to shift the focus back to the people and care wisely for our precarious world, because our leaders have proven themselves both uninterested in the most pressing needs of the planet and incapable of imagining what we need to do. So the book chronicles how people have stood up and regained their voices, and also some of the topics where their voices are most urgently needed. I have no uh, quarrel with social media. I'm on all the, all the platforms, but it can be very dangerous when people have the power to shape opinion and the other side had no power to resist the shaping of those opinions. There's no space for skepticism, which my book tries to argue for in the terms of speaking with each other, presenting alternate points of view, et cetera, keeping the a debate alive that is real rather than simply name calling or polemics. But that's increasingly hard when you have politicians who feed off fear. And this has always been the case. It's just gotten incrementally worse when you have things like issues with the police, issues with political systems that are quite vicious. They feed on people needing them. And the way that they assure people that they're needed is by saying, only we can protect you. The book went to press or went into publication, the beginning of the publication, which takes several months. And during that interlude, January 6th, 2021 happened, the insurrection. And so I immediately thought, what happens when you think about reclaiming space, protests and all these, and the, the, um, the obvious critique uh, that people might place saying, well, what about the insurrection? Isn't that exactly an enactment of what you've been arguing for? And one of the ways to look at it, that's not even political in the sense of conservatives and, and liberals, is to think of the idea of exclusion versus inclusion. A lot of what I was just talking about in terms of fear is about excluding others, is always imagining a way that they, it's ne necessary to exclude, contain, harm, 
denied the humanity of other people. So the this is militating against inclusion. The other way of speaking is to reclaim the idea of a public that includes everybody, right? And it's not predicated on fear-mongering and protectionism, so to speak, but rather uh, listening. Getting back to what I feel like is an, an, another thread in, in your book is that we really have to examine the systems that we live in and whether those systems are the ones we want to live in. Is that, mm-hmm. you know, do they really serve us? Well, I think that the best proof is before our eyes, that we don't have to go to make extenuated, abstract arguments, reaching far afield for evidence. All we have to do is look at the planet, climate change, for example, these fires, these floods, these hot spells, these are systemic failures. They're not, they're not flaws, they're not aberrations. They are built into the system. The system has been designed to ignore these things or to think of these things as either inconsequential or, or things that cost too much to fix. And so when we talk about things like abolition, I teach a course on abolition and climate change simply to get people to think, as you mentioned, about large systems rather than individual failings. And once you put that together, you see that the people who benefit from this, again, are comprise an increasingly small proportion of humanity. And it's been politicized in such a way that if you critique that, you're also against supposedly all these other things. And I think the book is about helping us understand the need for a new language, a new descriptive language that doesn't bypass a political critique, but allows us to see how politics, again, getting back to the first passage I read, we have to have a different relationship to politics. It can't be conservatives versus liberals, it can't be radicals versus extremists. We have to scale it back to an understanding of how human beings can and might interact in much more kind and generous and less harmful ways that create social benefits for everybody. Yes, I think, I mean, it's not uh, exclusive to America, but so much of politics and and how it's also played out in media is is it designed to trigger us into an emotional response i would love to have more policy that's exactly right if we had policies that were not labeled as coming from the right left but simply were for clean water schools that were well serviced both by caring teachers and conscientious teachers and also material support uh retirement that would be would give people an end of life that would be humane and enjoyable after toiling away. And even the idea of work could be reimagined. These are all policies. They're not, it's not politics. Politics is about policy and it's become now about ideology and and gets back to something that you said before about one generation's obligations to the following. I think this is, my heart goes out to students today because they're faced with all the things we've talked about pandemic, climate crisis, et cetera, a broken political system, a very alienated set of social and political behaviors, and a horrible economy, especially in the United States today, when we see the very notion of democracy imperiled, I mean, seriously imperiled. I can't say that electoral politics are not worth engaging in. They certainly are. 
but as I've told others asking the same question, electoral politics can only buy us time. It's important to have that time, but what we do with that time is critical. And with that time, we should try to, again, find our capacity and exercise our capacity to speak out and to form new ways of thinking about policy and living together because the old systems are depleted. They're really, there's no rectifying it. There's no scaling it back nearly to the degree it's necessary. And it sounds like an impossible task, but I don't see much other promise other than I suppose a, the kind of wholesale reevaluation of our relationship to politics and to each other. You've given us, you know, your reflections on the future and the kind of world we should, you know, be leaving that for the next generation. Mm -hmm. But what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? I think for young people, I think you should, first of all, understand that you are trying to have normal lives based on things your parents and your grandparents modeled before you. But you're faced with a set of historical circumstances that are unprecedented. So the first thing I would say to you is to be kind to yourselves. Be patient with yourselves. Don't think of the arts and literature as indulgences. Think of them as sources of solace, wisdom, and inspiration. And also be kind to each other because others are coextensive with you. And with that, I think you will have the capacity or more of a capacity to have the best life you possibly can. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thanks for listening.